This is People Every Day. Coming up... Very sad. It's a very sad day. The life and times of Prince Philip, who has died at the age of 99. Plus... When DMX rap, you could hear aggressiveness, you could hear pain, you could hear struggle. Remembering rapper DMX in the wake of his untimely death at age 50. It's April 9th. Hello everyone, Janine Rubenstein here. It's Friday and I woke up like so many of you and saw the alerts about the major news out of England. Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh and Queen Elizabeth's husband for the past 73 years has died at the age of 99, less than two months shy of his 100th birthday. Then just a few hours later came the sad news that rapper DMX, who had been in a coma all week following a drug overdose and heart attack this past weekend, has indeed died himself at the age of 50. I'll have Mark Lamont Hill, host of the new show Black News Tonight, on with me a little later to discuss DMX's life and iconic career. But first, let's get into the news of Prince Philip. As I speak, flags are flying at half-staff in London, and people are gathering outside of Buckingham Palace in a show of support for the Queen and the royal family. Absolutely saddened. I think he was a true inspiration, not only to his generation, to our generation, to my generation. You know, he's been there by her side every single day of her time as queen, and the fact that now she's going to have to live without that for the rest of her life is unbelievably difficult. So I definitely wanted, you know, to come down here and, you know, lay some flowers to let her know that she is being supported. This is one of those days where we will do something that we do best here at People, which is delve deep into not only this news, but the history of such a significant cultural figure as Prince Philip, a man who recently came into the spotlight even more due to the scripted version of his life that played out on Netflix's hit show, The Crown. We're going to get into all of that and much more today. And to help me along, I'm joined now by senior royals editor for People.com, Aaron Hill, and People's royal correspondent in London, Simon. And Perry. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Janine. Hi there. Wow. So this is news that we had hoped we wouldn't get, but we almost felt was possible, right? So let's talk about his just most recent health journey and, and what we know immediately led up to this point. Yeah. Um, when Prince Philip was admitted to the hospital in, in February, you know, alarm bells went off, you know, as to, to what was wrong. We were told at the time um, he was just feeling unwell, but he walked himself into the hospital. So it seemed like maybe it would just be a short stint there. He's expected to spend a couple days. Of course, we know that turned into weeks and he um, had uh, treatment there. He had a, a heart procedure as well. Um, so it was more serious than originally thought. And he ended up being in the hospital for a month. Um, and then he returned to Windsor Castle where he's reunited with the queen and of course, you know, um, we we had anticipated maybe some news like this just because it was such a long hospital stay. Yeah. So, Simon, can you talk to us about the statement that was given by Buckingham Palace and, and just the initial emotions of the family today? Yeah. Um, well, we started hearing rumors just before midday UK time, which is about 7 a.m. Uh, New York time, that uh, something was going to be announced. Um, and uh, sadly, your mind does go towards uh, Prince Philip at that point. And um, true enough, just after midday, uh, I received an email. It's just a straightforward email the, the, with the statement that um, you've all now read. Um, suddenly, the radio went to um, uh, the national anthem, a very somber moment at midday. And uh, 
the BBC, I don't know if you've seen, but the BBC has gone to complete programming just about his passing and little tributes and people talking and so on. So within moments, within minutes, certainly, uh, Britain changed. Yeah. And, and that statement read, it is with deep sorrow that Her Majesty the Queen announces the death of her beloved husband, His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. His Royal Highness passed away peacefully this morning at Windsor Castle. Further announcements will be made in due course. The royal family join with people around the world in mourning his loss. And we have seen so many people pour out their condolences and and just react on social media. But also the prime minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, issued his regards. So listen to this. He helped to steer the royal family and the monarchy so that it remains an institution indisputably vital to the balance and happiness of our national life. What do we know about the mourning process, the next steps for the royal family, the funeral, all of that? They haven't announced anything yet, but um, I understand from from briefings we've had in the past that, you know, we're going to spend about eight days between now and the funeral. Well, the Queen's in mourning straight away, obviously, all her family are, but the, the royal court, the household, will will be so for about 30 days. Flags are at half masters. You may have seen some pictures already on on public buildings in the in Britain and that will go on for um until the funeral I believe. So there's there's various things to be confirmed. I mean there was going to be a very different funeral uh but because of covid and restrictions on numbers and so on and they don't want the public gathering. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, he would have probably taken a very slow drive from, from London, possibly, if if he'd passed away there um, in normal times. But as it is, he's been able to be at home these recent weeks, which has been a comfort, I think, for the Queen to have have him close by and for them to be together this morning when, when the news, you know, when the time came. So this news comes in the wake of all of the other headlines that the royal family have been dealing with in regards to Harry and Meghan. Of course, that big Oprah sit down that just took over the news cycle. Um, but they are living a world away in California. They did issue a statement, though, that read, in loving memory of His Royal Highness, the Duke of Edinburgh, 1921 to 2021, thank you for your service. You will be greatly missed. But guys, what do we know about how they will remember him uh, physically. Like, will Harry go? Will Meghan go to the funeral? How uh, is that all going to work? What do we What do we know? I'm sure Prince Harry will come, um, will make every effort to come. Uh, he, he, he loves his grandfather and he spoke very warmly of him in the recent interviews on uh, on uh, James Corden's show and, and Oprah, as you may remember. Um, Meghan is... is quite late in her pregnancy and um uh, i assume i assume i don't know she 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 won't fly over but um you know i'm sure harry will make every effort to come and there's no reason why he sh- he shouldn't either there's various rules that they'll have to comply by and as long as he arrives and stays in as i understand it in a family home of which they have uh, a very big one at windsor castle um i'm sure they can find a space for him and um he can arrive safely and be safe and that'll be a big moment in the current light of things. Yeah, it will be a very big moment, of course, on the heels of of that big Oprah interview and some of the back and forth um, with the family. But this is, I guess, one of those times where you drop all that and you just come together. 
yeah, and they'll gather like a lot of families have to be aware of things and distance and so on, but um, uh, mark his life properly uh, in a somber, quiet way. And probably the funeral that Prince Philip would like. He always doesn't like fuss, doesn't like people making a big deal of things. He'd probably be aghast at the sort of things going on today, like TV programming is being changed and so on in his honour so that he can be properly honoured. I love that little bit of insight uh, and just into who he was and what he would have wanted. And we're going to get into more of that after the break. I I do want to mention, though, that today also happens to be Charles and Camilla's wedding anniversary. So there is just a lot going on uh, in the royal family right now. But you guys, we're going to come back and dig more into Prince Philip's life right after this. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. now with Aaron Hill and Simon Perry, who are expertly walking me through the life and times of Prince Philip. So you guys, uh, let's talk just a little bit about the crown. I mean, this is something, at least for me, who I am no royals expert, but it just put uh, that family and specifically Prince Philip in in, in the recent seasons uh, into just a better um, scope for me. I, I got a better understanding of who he was and how he ticked. Um, but Aaron, talk to me about his portrayal on that show and how closely you would say or experts would say it aligns with the real Prince Philip. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel closer to Prince Philip because of the crown, especially that first season. And, you know, we fact check each season and a a lot of it's based in in truth and reality. Um, He did struggle in the beginning with his role um, supporting the queen. He's this alpha male in in a beta role. Um, And it was a struggle for him, but he quickly adapted to it. I mean, coming from royal lineage himself, but he he still, you know, pushed back in certain ways uh, when it came to pushing for the last name of the kids and where the where the kids would go to school. So he stood his ground in, in ways he could. Um, but a lot of his portrayal on the, on, the, on the crown was accurate. Of course, a lot of it is a, a you know, dramatization. Um, but I think the basis of it is this real uh, powerful love story. Aaron, let's get into some of the controversy surrounding Prince Philip as well. It wasn't always roses and sunshine, we know. And uh, even watching The Crown, you get some insight into when things weren't so good. Uh, they they delve into the rumors surrounding uh, his relationship with the Queen. But also, in real life, he was known to have made comments that were problematic over the years. And he was taken to task for that racially insensitive comments, uh, just things that put him uh, in the hot seat. So talk to me a little bit about what we know about when things weren't so great with Prince Philip. Um, Certainly in periods of their marriage, they dealt with rumors and that was 
um, evident on the crown, rumors of, of turmoil, trouble within their marriage. Um, you know, none of those reports were ever founded or ever, um, you know, rooted in any truth coming from the palace or, or the royals themselves. But, you know, I think like like any marriage, they dealt with the ups and downs and have certainly in the royal spotlight and with Philip adjusting to his role as uh, you know, supporter of the queen, there would have been issues, of course, that they, they dealt with. But as far as the, the public goes, this was a very, you know, strong, solid, solid marriage. And um, a lot of it's rooted in, in their faith. I mean, the queen is very devout in her, her religious beliefs and, it's something that they shared and something that really got them through a lot of those those years. Yeah. And so uh, we touched on it a little bit, Aaron, but Simon, tell me about his backstory before he was, you know, the man by Elizabeth's side. Who, who was Prince Philip? Well, I think one of the reasons um, his grandsons, Prince William and Prince Harry, um, think of him so much as a legend is is that backstory. It is that war hero um, he, you know, he's a tough man who had to cope with a lot. His, 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 um, childhood was disrupted. They had to leave Greece when he was, um, an infant came to the UK to, for school effectively uh, onwards or from his teenage, uh, young teenage time onwards, you know, and had to make his way on his own a lot, you know, his, his, um, he was aware of drafty old cold Scottish school Gordonston where his sons uh, Prince Charles and uh, Andrew and Edward all, all went to um, and having to cope on his own in a strange country um, but it, it, it made him he was a strong man you know he, he comes over as a, a strong character uh, sort of adventuring spirit sort of thing comes from that period I think and that's the sort of man he ended up being a man of of, of great strong character and then they were married uh, on November 20th, 1947. She was 21. And how they cheered the happy pair when they And he was 26. So, Aaron, tell me a little bit about their initial attraction to each other. Yeah, they met, um, you know, when, when Elizabeth was just a teenager and she immediately was just um, enamored with the older, dashing um, Philip, so handsome. And so it was clear from the start, she only had eyes for him. And it was, uh, you know, not met with total open arms within, you know, royal circles. But um, she she got her way. She wanted him to be, be her husband. And um, he they had a beautiful wedding, perfect for the country in the time, you know, post-war time. And they needed a celebration. And this was the wedding of the century. And and he was the longest serving consort to a monarch in British history, um, having been in the role for as long as he was. Let's just listen in to what he had to say about what made their marriage work for that long. I think that the main lesson that we've learned is that tolerance is the one essential ingredient of any happy marriage. It may not be quite so important when things are going well, but it is absolutely vital when things get difficult. And uh, you can take it from me that the Queen has the quality of tolerance and abundance. 
Just just a, a great quote from him on on how they made things work. Right. So I guess just 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 to finish it up, what what is the feeling um, for you, Aaron, someone who covers this inside and out? And also you, Simon, being there, um, what what are what's the feeling today and, and just the major takeaway that you guys are seeing from this news? We'll start with you, Aaron. It's definitely a sad, sad moment um, for the UK, for the world, for the royals. You know, he was such a, a presence um, within the family. And he really was, um, you know, he set a, a lot of things in motion that we're seeing today with the modern royals. I mean, he was health conscious, passionate con- conservationist ahead of his time on issues like overpopulation, endangered species. And that we're seeing that in William and Harry now. And, and Simon, I just want to ask you, what is next for the monarchy? Like how, how big of a blow is this um, to to that that institution? Well, um, you just played that lovely um, quote from him about tolerance. And she always uh, famously called him her strength and stay. Um, and that is that is him, a rock, and, a, and someone else, a close friend of theirs, called him a, a rock to do to me this this evening. I think she'll obviously be mourning clearly, and I think we're going to expect a lot more of her son, Prince Charles, coming to the fore and so on as she spends some time clearly coming to terms with this. It's a big loss in her life, and of course, not seeing him by her side um, is something that'll take a, a generations of Britons to just get used to. It's you know. That's what we've always known. Well, you guys, thank you so much for coming on the show and really explaining all the ins and outs of of this really huge moment. I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, you guys, it's time to discuss another huge loss, that of rapper DMX. Born Earl Simmons, he has died at age 50 following a recent drug overdose and heart attack. His family issued a statement today that said, quote, Earl was a warrior who fought till the very end. He loved his family with all of his heart, and we cherish the times we spent with him. Earl's music inspired countless fans across the world, and his iconic legacy will live on forever. So just a little background, DMX, which stands for Dark Man X, was born and raised in New York and known for helping put hardcore hip-hop on the map. His voice is unmistakable, and he used it to speak about life lived on and in the streets. It's an experience millions of fans related to deeply, and he leaves behind 15 children, some of whom flew in to be by his side. But he also leaves behind that legion of fans. Uh, I'm definitely one of them, and I am joined now by another, Mark Lamont Hill, host of Black News Tonight, a new nightly news show on Black News Channel. He's on with me to dig into DMX's life and legacy. Hi, Mark. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. So this news is definitely shaking the black community. It's all over my timeline. But beyond that as well, uh, just tell me, what was one of your favorite songs and, and what would you say made him such a, a prominent figure in hip hop? I got I got so many uh, DMX songs that I love, you know, because he was so, so, so raw and open. I mean, so so I got, you know, I love the, you know, songs like Slippin'. Hey, yo, I'm slipping, slipping, falling. I can't get up. Hey, right, which are kind of the vulnerable songs, right? You know, um, then there's the um, Party song, DMX yeah. songs that get you hype. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it, 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 you know, X gonna give it to you if you go. You know what I mean? I've been listening back to that that prayer. You know that, and mm. that that comes up all the time, where it's like DMX is talking to God. I don't always do the right thing. And I ask you to forgive me. But the aggression and just the the graveliness of his voice, it's like, (laughs) 
<laughs> like, oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, which brings it all into more light. Now, what was it about him for you? What, why, why did he, why did he become such an icon in hip hop? I mean, one, he, he was supremely talented. You know, he had, you know, one of the things in hip hop, you know, that, that I think we underestimate is the power of the voice. And some of the great artists of our time had special voices. Like, you know, Big had that, um, he, that, that big bass drum, mm, you know, mm-hmm. you know, in, in his voice. And so you, you could feel it, you know. Then you got folk who have a way of, of hitting you in your bones, hitting you in your, in your spirit when they, when they rap, you know. Pac uh, had that. But DMX was able to hit several of those notes you know there was there, there was a i mean he had a literal growl in his voice right the whole dog kind of persona was was matched by his voice that gravelly rugged rough yeah. like his voice sounded like it was from the hood you, you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like so, some some people got you know voices that 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 do different things than than the norm and he was one of them his voice when 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 dmx rapped you could hear aggr- aggressiveness. You could hear pain. You could hear struggle. Uh, and so, for me, his voice was was a big part of it. But there, but there was there was a vulnerability to DMX uh, that I think, above all, makes him special. When you listen to DMX, you you hear pain. You hear um, you hear a loss. You hear struggle. And, yeah. and DMX had a transparency to him. Yeah, he really did. And his biggest hits and, and major fame was in the late 90s to mid 2000s. And, and things slowed down after that. Right. But he came into focus again in recent years. He was on reality TV. And to your point of pain, uh, he was very open about his substance abuse and, and childhood traumas that he faced. Once he uh, detailed the first time he used, he was only 14. And someone he thought of as a mentor gave him marijuana that was laced with crack cocaine. And he described it once. He said, a monster was born. I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy, especially to someone that you supposedly love. That is something that just set him off on this path. But what do we know about him more recently and how he was doing immediately prior to the overdose? I think about his 15 kids and that legacy and what could have been. But where was he at in life this past year? You know it's so interesting, you know, the last major public uh, event he did was the verses uh, with Snoop, which wasn't that long ago. And he looked healthy. He looked happy. Um, he looked honestly the best I'd seen him. And I was actually quite uh, excited, even proud that he looked so good, you know, because he's, he's hit some he's hit some lows. You know, and so, you know, for a long time, all we have, whatever we heard about DMX was about drugs and jail. And so, and so to see him in a healthy space and, and, and clear headed um, was, was pretty dope. And here's what I know for sure, that, that, that DMX has always struggled with, with drugs. And that struggle, some of it was in front of our eyes, some of it wasn't. And as we get older, our bodies don't handle it as well. Our, our, and... And it, it simply over, overtook him. Yeah. Oh, he will be so sorely, sorely missed. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining me. And I know you're going to get into this on, on your show as well. So um, we'll definitely be listening in for any developments there. But just really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate y'all, man. Thank you for inviting me. That was Mark Lamont Hill discussing DMX. For more on the late rapper or for more on the death of Prince Philip, head over to people.com. 
now a very much needed something to make you smile. People Magazine recently caught up with a few climate heroes to bring awareness to global warming. This important effort unites all cultures and ages, everyday people and celebrities in the effort to help keep our planet alive and healthy. Speaking of celebrities, listen to climate hero Laura Turner Seidel of Captain Planet Foundation gush over the support of a fellow environmental crusader and famous actress Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda is a frigging badass in every iteration in her life. Mark your calendars and get your green thumbs ready. Earth Day is April 22nd. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. People Every Day is produced by Julia Weaver with help from Fallon Harge, Maureen Malarkey, and Aliza Sessler. Executive produced by Christina Everett and mixed by Mary Dew and Bahid Frazier. People's executive producers are David Flumenbaum and Zoe Ruderman. Special thanks to Mangesh Hatikater, Will Lee, and the incredible staff at iHeartMedia and People.